four score and roughly six weeks ago a young handsome bearded man with glasses me made a bold prediction that one Dwayne Haskins the great pride of Ohio State University would throw for nearly 3,500 yards with the football team this year and flirt with the idea of 30 touchdowns while shocking all of those haters that spoke ill will against him. After speaking with my legal team, speaking with my family, my supporters, and those of you on this great community of the football team, specifically hogsaven.com. I would like to not only just apologize for those bold predictions, but as of about 4.11 p.m. Eastern Time on October 12th, 2020, I would like to officially redact that statement. So from this point forward, it never happened. Not once. I don't care if you go back and find that podcast or find the article I wrote about it where I put that in writing. From this point forward, it would not be acknowledged at all. Thank you. Now please enjoy the rest of this podcast. What's good? Welcome to the Big Ben Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. Not a fun week in the realm of the football team. A lot of different things we got to discuss. You heard the open, officially redacting some of my bold predictions in regards to Dwayne Haskins. Not fully giving up on the kid, but he's not done with 3,500 yards. So that's all redacted. Didn't happen. Not once. I also would just like to point out that I tried to do like an Abraham Lincoln-esque accent and quickly realized that one, I don't know what Abraham Lincoln sounds like. And then two, I'm just, I can't do accents. I got this voice. I was blessed with this voice. And this is the only voice that I have. I don't really do accents or any of that stuff. So if you're expecting an accent or if you want to grade me based on my accents, just give me a failing grade because I know that. All right. We got uh, a lot of stuff to kind of discuss in what was a terrible football game. Like, there's, there's no sugarcoating this. This football game sucked. There was like nine minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, and I was like, man, can we just get a running clock? I can't remember. We've seen a lot of bad games with this franchise. I can't remember actually just wanting to see a running clock because this was getting so out of hand. And our game finished. It was one of the earlier finishes in the, the 1 p.m. kick slate this Sunday, and still, I was like, this just has to end immediately, if not sooner. This is getting out of control. There's a couple different things uh, I want to touch on. I do, there was one positive, though, and I want to start uh, with the one positive. The one positive is Kendall Fuller, who was awesome. He was, he is proving so far that he is worth all of the money that our organization paid him. 
He has three interceptions already through, what is it, two games officially? I think he had he had a game and a half, threw a game and a half, because he picked the, the pass off in the, in the first half. Through a game and a half, he had three picks. Kendall Fuller is worth all of the money that we have given him so far. Uh, he's legit. I can't. I still don't understand why we initially traded him away. That never made any form of sense. Uh, but Kendall Fuller is absolutely worth every single penny. Uh, the one blemish, and this isn't even really on him, was that touchdown. Uh, they were playing. They caught us in a zone. That's kind of what happened there. And I'm willing to just look at that play and be kind of a man about it and say, you know what, Sean McVay just called a really great play. That's kind of how I'm choosing to look at that one specific play. And if we do want to blame anyone, we'll just blame Landon Collins because he gets a lot of the blame for some of these things. And he did technically have over-the-top help, or at least he was supposed to. Uh, so we're not putting that on Kendall Fuller. But I thought Kendall Fuller did play a really, really solid game, and he's been really, really good since he's been healthy. So that is a positive because how many times have we swung and missed on some of these bigger free agent signings? I mean, you can. I'm not all the way done on Landon Collins by any stretch of the imagination. I still think he's a very good football player, but he's definitely made some plays that kind of leave you scratching your head and say, you know, at one point you were the highest paid at your position, right? Like, how are you still making these plays? Uh, so at least we know at for through two games that Kendall Fuller is not that. So very pleased with his performance. And that's about all the positives. That's it. Really really no other real positives from this game because this game sucked. It was a very bad football game. I did not enjoy watching it. I wanted it to end as quickly as possible. We did see the return of Alex Smith, which was a very nice and touching moment. It was something that I think we all kind of in the back of our mind knew this was going to happen against the Rams. Now, it just made too much sense. You would just bench Dwayne Haskins. Aaron Donald was coming to town. Like, all, all of the things, the math adds up here. So, not a huge surprise to see Alex Smith. Obviously, you never want to see a guy like Kyle Allen go down with any form of injury. You don't want to see anyone anywhere go down with any form of injury. But you just kind of knew. The writing was on the wall. This was going to happen, and it was going to be against Los Angeles Rams, which is the one team, at least in the near future, of the football team schedule that I really did not want to see Alex Smith play in. And we got a very clear reasoning as to why that was. Because the Los Angeles Rams absolutely dominated our offensive line and they dominated Alex Smith. What was a very nice comeback cute moment turned very, very sour very, very quickly when Alex Smith all of a sudden was wearing his nice, beautiful, sculpted from God himself, a handcrafted Aaron Donald backpack. I was like, oh my God, this is this is the worst fears coming to life. Because I think all of us were at least somewhat nervous when Alex Smith came in the game. Likely varying levels of nervous. But I think everyone had some degree of nerves when they saw Alex Smith enter the game. And then Aaron Donald jumped on that man's back. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is the worst case scenario. But thankfully, Alex Smith popped right back up. And from that point forward, I was pretty confident, at least in his leg holding up. Now the play, it needs some work. But the fact that Alex Smith's leg was able to hold up, he was able to somewhat defend himself. I, I, I say somewhat because at times he didn't really have a chance or a choice. 
He just had to go into defense mode because he was getting bullied literally all game. But it was nice to see him back out on the on the field. It just so happens he did not play particularly well at all. And then no one did. Like, it's not an indictment on Alex Smith. This was his first game since snapping his leg. I'm not expecting this guy to return as peak Alex Smith mode. Like, oh yeah, there's the perennial Pro Bowl guy. The guy had great success in San Francisco and Kansas City. That's That's the guy I'm looking at. No, no, no. He very much looked like a guy that had his leg snapped a couple years ago. His movement wasn't all there. You could tell the leg wasn't 100%, as you would expect, because it was snapped in half. But the return did overshadow the, the actual poor performance from Alex Smith, and I understood why Ron Rivera decided that Kyle Allen was the starter. Like, that... That became very, very clear because Alex Smith is clearly not ready to go full-blown starting Alex Smith. Ideally, you would like the completion-to-sack ratio to be a little different than uh, 9-6. to six. And that's not all, all on Alex Smith. right? The, the six sacks in a half in a possession, that needs to be adjusted. The man was literally running for his life. And you understand, I understand... If a dude gets sacked six times, odds are there was probably about four or five other sacks that just didn't come into fruition. Like they were right there and Alex either just got rid of the ball or or what? I don't, I don't know. He just got rid of the ball or something. There, there, there was a couple sacks that are left on the field because that's what happens when you sack the quarterback eight times. I mean, even from our perspective in week one, we sacked Carson Wentz eight times, but I can point out a couple plays. You can point out a couple plays. Say, oh, this could have been a sack here, could have been here. We could have gone double digits on the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, likewise, the Los Angeles Rams could have gone double digits on our quarterbacks if they really wanted to. So that I did not like. I did not like that at all. I did not like seeing Alex Smith run for his life. And it is clear that he is not the guy moving forward. Because we believe in Kyle Allen. Or something like that. We're in trouble. We are in a deep degree of trouble. And I did not think we would be here. I certainly didn't hope we would be here. But the team is not good. Like, really, really not good. I still like our defensive front. I still like Kendall Fuller. I still like certain pieces on offense. Terry McLaurin, of course. Antonio Gibson. But it kind of stops after that. The offensive line, who had been playing pretty solid over the past few weeks, did not play well. No one played well. We couldn't run the football against the Rams. I'm still not even convinced that the Rams are a really, really good football team. They beat the breaks out off of they beat the breaks out of us. But they've only beaten teams in the NFC East, and this division sucks. But we made the Rams look like they were the team that had that explosive offense that made it to a Super Bowl. That's not how I envisioned that game going. But here was the weirdest part in terms of the quarterback. When Kyle Allen went out, he was cleared to come back in the game in the second half. And Ron Rivera said that he kept Kyle Allen out of the game as a reason of precaution. He didn't want Kyle Allen to take another big-time hit. 
and then he reiterated that and said that Kyle Allen is a starter moving forward. Which that I don't hate because, again, I didn't think Alex Smith played exceptionally great. The comeback story was great. That moment, I, like I, sports are very much to me about moments, moments that you'll remember, and I will remember seeing Alex Smith back on the football field for the first time. So that was special. But I can very easily separate the emotion of that moment, the special feeling of that moment, and his actual play, which was just not good. But my question is, if we are worrying about precautions, why is why is the guy that's leg snapped and half the guy that we're going to roll with? Like, it's a very backward-ass thing to say. The math does not add up in that equation. We don't want an individual to get hurt, so we're going to put the guy that is coming back. This is his first action, no preseason, really no hitting in, in training camp or practice. We're going to put him out there one and a half legs against Aaron Donald, who is quite literally eating Wes Martin's lunch. He was eating his lunch. He was stealing his sneakers. He was taking his lunch money. He was doing everything that your high that your not high school, hopefully, but everything that your elementary school bully did or threatened to do to you is what Aaron Donald was doing to a grown man in West Martin. But it was because of a precaution that they wanted to keep Kyle Allen out of the game, and they just they just went with Alex Smith. So that did not add up at all. I, I've. I have slowly transitioned into really questioning some of these decisions that Ron Rivera has made so far. I still like the guy. I do. But some of the things he does just leave me scratching my head, and I'm very, very confused because this is not exactly what we were promised. I understand the roster is not great. This is not the roster that I'm sure he envisioned having over his five years here in D.C. I get that. But the flip-flopping in decision-making, the flip-flopping, and almost philosophies and ideas as to how to run the team, we can, I can do without that. Like, can we just kind of settle it? What are we going to be? Are we rebuilding? Are we chasing the division? What, what are you? What are you? What are we? It's very clear that we do not have the offensive weaponry. If that wasn't already clear, which it should have been, but I get it. You know, coaches have a, a certain amount of optimism that we as fans uh, either don't have or just straight up see through. So I get that. But now it should be very clear. We we are not competing to win this division. We're just not. Especially with our quarterback situation. Because Kyle Allen had that one really, really good drive. But he wasn't exceptional. He was 9 of 13, 74 yards. That was nice. But a lot of that, again, came on one drive. He had the, the touchdown rush, which that, that play, uh, I, I was very upset at the officiating and the broadcast team for not understanding that the pylon extends that, that really made me mad because it's 2020. Like we should all understand that the pylon is never, is essentially a never ending plane that extends. So the fact that the officials had to gather up and the fact that the broadcast team who gets paid a good amount of money to call these football games, them not knowing that rule really frustrated me. Really, really frustrated me. But even still, I mean, Kyle Allen didn't play exceptionally great. We just don't have the guys on offense to put forth a great offensive product. It's not an indictment on Kyle Allen. It shouldn't be an indictment on Dwayne Haskins. It's not an indictment on Alex Smith. We just don't have the guys to win in this division. And this division sucks. That should kind of tell you what we're working with offensively. This was supposed to be a rebuild year. And all of a sudden, we just decided, actually, we're going to try and win. 
Didn't make any sense. I didn't like that it took until the, what is it, the third or the fourth quarter to finally throw a deep ball. Why are we not doing this early? What What is the reasoning for this? Is Scott Turner confused? I, I, I'm curious. We are five weeks into the season, and we have not thrown a deep pass early in games, which is just allowing defenses to get comfortable. At a certain point in time, if we know that we are at the disadvantage in certain positions, you have to get a little wonky, you have to get a little creative with how you call your plays to get the defense on its toes a little bit, to get your guys in a rhythm. You know, we talk about rhythm all the time with quarterbacks. It's not just a quarterback thing to get in a rhythm. The guys on the offensive line need to get themselves in a nice rhythm as well. The receivers, the running backs, all of these guys, they also play with rhythm. It's not just a quarterback thing. It just so happens that quarterback is the most important position on the field because they're always touching the football. So they're the only ones they get talked about when it comes to rhythm. But we have to do a much better job of getting our offensive line in a rhythm. And that starts with running the football. We ran the ball 14 times on Sunday. 14. The Rams ran it 35 times. They had one dude, Daryl Henderson Jr., that ran the ball 15 times. And the Rams have very much taken this idea of running back by committee by storm. They ditched Todd Gurley, who is still proving he can play in Atlanta. They ditched Todd Gurley, and they said, we're going to pay a lot less money to more people, and we're going to make this work. And so far, they have. But they run the ball 35 times. The football team runs the ball 14 times. That is inexcusable. Especially when we have all these questions at quarterback. You have to run the ball more than 14 times. This is not rocket science. How many years have we had this conversation? I mean like consecutive years now at this point. Will we talk every single week about running the football, running the football. It has to be a priority in our offense. We have to run the football. And year after year, week after week, in those years, nothing ever changes. This team still can't run the football. And while it would not make this offensive line all pros when they get in their rhythm, I'm convinced they would play better if we were running the football better, if you were allowing them to have a chance to dominate the line of scrimmage, I still don't think they would have dominated the line of scrimmage against Aaron Donald. But you get the idea that I'm picking up, that I'm putting down here. You have to get those guys motivated and going early, and everything else will kind of fall around, hopefully, ideally. And if that's not the case, then you have to make changes on the offensive line. A lot of people are calling for the job of Wes Martin. And to be honest, I can't really blame them. Pro Football Focus Washington tweeted earlier in the day that Wes Martin's grade for Sunday was .2. You know how Pro Football Focus gives all these grades? You know, it's like 89.3. You know, in the high 80s, Terry McLaurin most of the time is in the high 80s because he's one of the best receivers in football. Wes Martin on Sunday was graded at .2. First off, I did not know that these grades went that low. Second off, that's still too high. Because this man got destroyed by Aaron Donald. I mean, absolutely destroyed. It was like a small dog 
fighting a big dog. You ever seen a small dog think he can hold its own with the big dogs at the dog park? Wrestling and tussling around and all of a sudden the size catches up and the big dog just completely tosses around the little dog. It was like that. But in this weird inverted universe where the small dog was crushing the big dog. Because in terms of just size, Wes Martin is 6'3", 315 pounds. Aaron Donald is 6'1", 285 You couldn't tell on the field. You couldn't tell on the field because Aaron Donald looked like the big dog on the field and he was just eating Wes Martin's lunch. Donald entered the game with three and a half sacks on the season through four games for the Rams. He is now leading the NFL with seven and a half sacks. He had four sacks in an NFL game. Aaron Donald did. At a certain point, I don't even know if this is allowed in the NFL and their awards. But just name the Defensive Player of the Year award the Aaron Donald Award because that's where we're at now. Aaron Donald is so unbelievably good. And this organization said, we'll just stick Wes Martin on him for the game. And we won't do anything about it. I mean, how bad do you have to be at your job? I wish I could be this bad at my job and still have that job. We're talking all this talk about precautions. You know, we want to keep our guys safe. Do you? I mean, do you? Actions are speaking louder than words. And I get the timeout thing was like, oh, precaution, keeping our guys safe. Well, we want to keep our guys safe. We're going to put Wes Martin on Aaron Donald and just let that, let that happen. It didn't go well. Surprise, surprise. It did not go well at all. This is getting insane. Surely we have to have someone else that we can put there. Someone else. We have all these offensive linemen on our roster. Expanded rosters this year for coronavirus. There isn't another person you can put out there. And I'm not even saying that person would do better against Aaron Donald. Because again, Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in football. But maybe they would stop him from getting four sacks. Four. Four sacks. Four sacks in a football game. We got to Jared Goff once, and our defensive line is a great defensive line. Didn't play that great. But we got to Jared Goff once. Aaron Donald got to Alex Smith so many times, it was it was skin crawling. It's like, oh my God. And I'm seeing Aaron Donald. They're showing him on the sideline. He's like laughing, having a jolly old time. This dude is lining up at practice, essentially. The second half of that football game was practice for Aaron Donald. I'm sure he's trying out like new techniques, different swim move variations, rips, you know, a couple spin moves maybe, stunts and twists on the design. He's just trying new things out and they're all working. He is literally a cheat code, and our organization did not help him because Wes Martin just was not fit for that job. He was not fit for that matchup. I'm sure he's watched the film of that game. If he hasn't yet, when it's time to watch the film, just say your stomach hurts. That seems to work well here in the city. That's my advice to you, Wes. Just, you know, stomach ache, can't watch the film. See you guys. I'm out. This was a terrible football game. An absolutely terrible football game. But hey, 
We get the winless New York Giants this week who are already three and a half point favorites. You can't make this up. I, you just you you legitimately cannot make this up. This organization is so bad. Oh, uh, I'm not looking forward to the preview podcast with the Giants. I mean, I am because I like talking football, but I'm also not because I'm not looking forward to the game. That's how bad. That's how I feel after this. I feel like we should beat the Giants because they're winless, and they had gone legitimately two full weeks without scoring a touchdown, but not a lot to cling on to in terms of hope with this organization, at least at the moment. Ugh. So I'll be back later in the week. That wraps up this game recap. Let me know your thoughts. What stood out to you? At Denton underscore day on Twitter. I'll be back later in the week. We'll preview the Giants game, and hopefully we just won't sit here and cry. Word to Andy Bernard. That's not the move. I'll see you then. Peace. <laughs>